from April 29th, 2008. It's Damon Bradshaw. This is a great podcast getting into all about his career, what happened at the Coliseum, riding the WR500, his great battles with Stanton and everything else. I didn't really know Damon back then. Just to say hi here and there, but I've gotten to know him a little bit better, not a ton better uh, since this podcast in 2008. But I was surprised when I was done, I remember thinking how much he opened up to me about everything that kind of went on in his career and the different things that happened and why they happened and everything else. And um, when he talks about getting hurt, his knee, he, he got to spend time on the lake and got to see a side outside of motocross that he had never really seen before. And it's something that I still remember to this day um, about what he thought and everything else. And so it was interesting to, to see that. And I think it applies to guys today as well. So from uh, flyracing.com, RacerX podcast presented by Michelin Starcross 5 and the folks at Racetech. Please enjoy the 2008 podcast with Damon Bradshaw, remastered, remixed for your listening pleasure. Uh, great to uh, have him on the show. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for rediscovering these shows. And if you've already listened to it, hell, listen to it again. All right. On to Damon Bradshaw. got a good one this week here folks this is the racer x canada somewhat live and uncensored podcast show and we've managed to secure none other than the beast from the east damon bradshaw before we get into this whole thing remember that it's brought to you by shift canada and check them out on the web at shiftracing.ca and please buy some gear whatever it takes thanks to all of you who listen weekly and tell me how much you enjoy it and I have to tell you that as much as you guys enjoy listening to these, I like doing them. So uh, thanks again for that. I especially love doing them this particular week when uh, I somehow managed to get Damon on the show. Still not really sure how that works. Thanks to Randy Richardson at Michelin for getting me the number to the beast and making sure that Bradshaw did want to indeed do it. Damon is a legend in the sport despite him not really ever winning a major championship. And in this interview, he explains why he thinks the fans still love him. I guarantee you that if you went through the pro pits today and took a poll, the majority of riders, mechanics, and industry people would say that Damon was their childhood hero. He was definitely one of mine for sure growing up, and I have to apologize ahead of time if I sound like a bit of a fan during our phone call. It was just really cool for me to talk to him, and he seems really down to earth, and and I just... uh, Sometimes I lose it a little bit in this. You'll 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 hear. Um, he's okay with his past, and most importantly, he's very honest and open. Uh, when I even when I asked him some tough questions, so that was cool. When I was at Yamaha, he came to a couple of races, but I never really got a chance to talk to him. But I sure wanted to. Well, years later, I got my chance, and luckily for all of you, I recorded it. This is a long one, but it's all podcast gold. This show and all my shows are available for download on iTunes. And remember, Shift Gear brings us all to you. Shift. The choice is yours. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Hey, this is Steve Cox with RacerX, formerly MX Word Nerd on the Internet. You're listening to the Mathis podcast, which I understand is good, but I'm not on the Internet anymore, so I don't know. Damon Bradshaw, thank you for doing the RacerX Canada podcast show. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but I took a, or a listener vote. And you won. You were the guy most people wanted to hear from. You beat Davey Coombs. Uh, he got second. And uh, yeah. I don't even know who got third, but you won. Well, that's cool. That's cool. It's neat to, 
to know. And I, I, I'm like again, I don't I don't know much about it, so I don't know if it's mostly all over Canada or U.S. or yeah, whatever, it's it's, uh, it's on the Racer Canada site, but it's also on the U.S. site. So oh, okay. um, I get emails from from all over. So right. Well, no, that's it's pretty cool to to know that you know I guess still that many people kind of remember because it's uh, it's so easy to be I think forgotten you know in this sport and and so to to still be people to be thinking about me makes me feel pretty good. I mean, I think it's funny. You think you'd get it out of your system, but I think daily of, man, what, and I haven't, I haven't been on a bike in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually it's going longer than two years now, but I have a brand new 450 sitting in the, uh, sitting in the garage that, uh, a shop in Caldwell, Idaho gave me to, to take out and play with. And mm-hmm. it's like, I keep telling myself every day, I'm going to go out and get on it and go ride. And I always thought, man, if I, I'd like to do a race, you know, what race would I like to do? And, <laughs> You know what national would I like to ride, and and it's it takes so much work because obviously you you go and do it. You want to be the best you could be, and I don't know for some reason Mount Morris always sticks in my mind, even though it's on the other end of the country. But I always love that place. Yeah, we actually I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a guy named uh, Rob Bidis that organizes a Legends couple laps um, at at three nationals every year. Right. Right. And uh, we should have you out. It's, he he gets all the old bikes and everything. And uh, Stanton does it, you know, um, Glover, DeCoster did it. Man, we should get you out to Mount Morris. It, it seems like <laughs> they mentioned it to me, I don't know, a couple of times. And I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if – I don't would, even would remember. This. Would you do it? Oh, yeah, I would do it in a second. I'll, but I just – I don't remember what happened. I don't know if I had a monster event going mm-hmm. on or if it was just – if I had something else going on that I couldn't do it. But – I'd love to do it. I saw the pictures and stuff of it, and, you know, I, I remember somebody asking me about it, but I just yeah. don't remember what happened. Yeah, we'll we'll work on that. I'll stay in touch with you, and, and I work with yeah. closely with Rob, and we'll we'll try to get you out there for yeah, sure. Yeah, let's it, do that. I, I know, uh Dude, the fans would lose it at Mount Morris. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> the fans would lose it. Oh, I would. You know, and I think this year, I think when Mount Morris is, is going on, I think I'm actually in Europe, which is kind of a bummer. Oh, I don't right. know if we could pick out another event. Red Bud. But, Redbud, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. I'm supposed to be in Europe all of June doing oh. monster stuff. So now I worked at Yamaha for four years as Ferry's mechanic, as a lot of people know. And John R was there, Bob Oliver was there, and I think they got tired of me just grilling them about you and your, <laughs> your, your, you know, your stories and the testing and anything that you did. And <laughs> yeah, we got to a point where Bob would just tell me, "Listen, just." Call him yourself, you know. <laughs> I call him up. That. We literally had parts upstairs in our little thing that still said Bradshaw on them, you know, like some motors oh, and yeah. some frames. And I'm just like, oh, Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I I think it was probably uh, Bob or John R. And I remember when you were there, and I would see those guys occasionally. I don't see them a whole lot. Yeah. I think. Well, I know the last time I saw John R. was his retirement party. I actually flew down to, oh, to go you? to that, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I don't remember you there being there, but I. Should. Yeah, we were there. We were, we were keeping it kind of quiet in the yeah. corner, I guess. Yeah, and then uh, and Bob would just be like, Bob really liked you. He was always like, you know, just because you were kind of a straight shooter, I guess, and, and he is too. So. Oh yeah, he definitely is. No, Bob was a good guy, man. He knew how to, he knew how to make one run. Oh, I know. Yeah. A couple of times we, we bucked heads. A couple of times he'd be saying the Dino says this and you say this and, <laughs> uh, you know, so and so says this and I'd be, well, I don't give a damn what the Dino says and I don't care what. <laughs> Whoever says, and if it's, you know, Jeff, we're meeting Emmy or somebody yeah. or whatever. I said, I don't care. I said, this is what I want. And so we'd go back and forth, and then finally we'd try it, and he'd put it on there. And I'd go, 
where where has that been? Why, why have I been riding my butt off all day? <laughs> it's five o'clock in the afternoon. I've been riding since eight thirty, and I'm tired. And it takes till now for you to put this on my bike, and it, it's bitching. Okay. And yeah. then my other deal was, okay, it's good. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm. Wrap it in cellophane. Put it in the truck. It's ready for Anaheim. Yeah, don't yeah. don't mess with it. <laughs> oh no! And then and then most of the time it was John R. Just one more. Yeah. Just, yeah. just one more. Just one more <laughs> shot. One more. Sh- and then finally, you know, it'd get to the point where I'd come in and they'd turn their head. Man, I'd be around the corner coming off of my gear, going, "That's it. No, no yeah. one more." <laughs> yeah, no one. And that's funny because um, I honestly, the same thing happened with Chad. One Chad would just be like, "I'm out of here. No more. One more. It's John R." <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, the exact same thing happened. If there was lights, we'd, I know we'd have been riding there a lot in the lights. Now, i got to ask you about this story, and I don't even know if it's true, but this was a classic one that I think John R. told me. You guys went to Hangtown for testing, and you never liked Hangtown. And even uh-huh. back then, it was a horrible track when I first started the Nationals. Yeah. It's gotten a lot better, but you guys were testing out there. You rented the track. A guy comes up from the track, says, you know, hey, we did this and this to the track, and, and what do you think? And you were like... You said, you know what, the number one thing you could do to improve this track? And the guy was like, no, you know, what, what is it? And you said, hang a clothes sign at the front gate. <laughs> I did. <laughs> is that true? Oh, I did. <laughs> I did, man. I remember it. You know, there's a lot of things I don't remember, but I remember distinctively sitting there and saying that. <laughs> I, I think we were, I don't, we, we might have even had box vans. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I, it may there. have been that long ago because I think I remember sitting on the back of the deal and the guy riding up on a motorcycle or a yeah. moped or something and and saying that. And it, I mean, it was it was just oh, it was terrible. And and the thing was is I always usually did pretty well there. I mean, uh-huh. I always had good luck there. I think I won there one year and got a second. So I did well there, but I just didn't didn't like the place. And yeah. then I really didn't like it. One time I freaking slammed myself on one of the real fast. I don't know, going yeah. across the middle of the track really fast. but well, the, the dirt used to be as hard. as I don't know if you – well, yeah, you've been there because that's where I first met you. It's a yeah. lot softer now. But back yes, when, yes. when you did it, man, it was concrete, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, then, you know, there were stories before that that I think it was even worse. I mean, I remember Dubok always liked that place, but he was kind of a – Mm-hmm. He was kind of a Carlsbad kind of guy, and so when he went there, he was loving it, wind blowing and hard slick. And well, I'm glad to c- confirm that that story is true because oh, yeah. that was just hilarious. We were no, nope, it was. <laughs> I, I think I probably said that more than once, but that one was the best. That one is it, huh? So, do you follow the current Supercross series much? You know, I don't. No. I, uh, I occasionally uh, my wife my wife talks to uh, Kevin Wyndham's wife mm-hmm. periodically, and and so I kind of know a little bit what's going there, but. I don't watch TV, basically, period. I mean, I, I, I watch UFC, so I'll probably watch TV Saturday night. But that's yeah. about <laughs> I just never watch TV. Uh-huh. And uh, I hear people, I have friends, and, you know, every once in a while some magazines will come across the table, and I'll open it up and, you know, catch up for 30 minutes or so. But I just I stay so busy doing other stuff, and I have a hard time sitting still is my problem. That's part of the reason I want to go start riding this motorcycle is I think it'll <laughs> – yeah. Eat up some of my maybe I'll sit still, but it's um here in the last uh, probably couple of weeks I've you know knowing Vegas is coming around here and mm-hmm. with the uh, with the U.S. Air Force being my primary sponsor with the the monster stuff they also sponsor Supercross and so a couple of those guys that were at our banquet here a few weeks ago in Vegas they're going to the the final in Vegas mm-hmm. and so they asked me you know would I come and I go you know I hadn't even really thought about it but. So I think I'm actually going to go to to oh, go to Vegas. So cool. it'll be kind of cool. And then 
I know with you know the things that have changed in the points chase, it should be interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it's uh, it's coming down to the wire. So well, hopefully you can make it. And, and yeah, this, I would like to. So this goes back to the basically the, the podcast vote where you won. All these years later, I mean, you don't really have any championships. A lot of race wins, uh, you know, the regional championship 125s. But people still love you. People still talk about you being their favorite rider. If we were to go through their pro pits, I think you'd probably win for favorite childhood rider. Oh, yeah. Why do, cool. why do you think that is? What, what, what did it? You know, I don't know. I just always thought that I wanted to stay the person that I always was, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing up, amateur ranks, whatever. And and I'm sure there's you can't keep everybody happy. And I'm sure there's people that say, you know, oh, he changed or this or that. But I just wanted to be the same guy, and I wanted to, to – you know, know that basically if it wasn't for the fans, we wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was times to where, yeah, you know, you'd be angry after a race or this or that, and you didn't want to hang around. And, and I wouldn't. And there was times to where I would. And, you know, I know of many a nights after Supercrosses and a many a days after Outdoor Nationals that I sit there until the very last person was gone out of those pits that didn't want to, you know, talk to me or see me or get mm-hmm. an autograph, whether it was behind a box fan or at a semi. And I still you know, try to be that way probably even more so now than even I was then. And I just, I don't know, I devote a lot to the to the fans. And, again, even more now with what I'm doing with the monster stuff. I mean, we do we do hours and hours and hours and hours of autographs. And, and I really see what it means to those people, so it makes me feel even better from riding years. Yeah. What percentage you know? of those people at the monster trucks know about your past? Um it, it's it's changed even more so this year. My very first year, very first few events, nobody really knew. And now, like at Vegas this year, I mean, I had tons of people that, that come through the line that, uh, you know, now they're my age or a little bit older, and they have kids that are, you know, 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. And so their their dad's telling their son about me. And oh, yeah. a few of the kids look at you, and their eyes, you know, brighten up. And then there's a few of them look and go, you know who who is this? Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. You know, they're thinking, you know, Travis or you know a lot of the new guys, yeah. and so it, it's pretty cool, you know, to see uh, people cross over and and for them to come and see something else that I'm doing that I really like. You know, it's it's fun. It's a new challenge. Yeah, I mean, even I can think of this. Uh, Jason Thomas, you know who he is? The pro right, I do, I do. He's got your jersey on his wall. I mean, the guy's like a professional rider. He's <laughs> like 27 right. years old. He's got a Bradshaw 4 on his wall. Oh, that's I mean, that's cool. just another example, you know, some some guy that's just really. I, I hear, you know, that from, from some of the younger guys, and, and it, it makes you feel pretty good because, I mean, I, I can remember, you know, a lot of the older guys that are a lot older than me, remember watching them back in the day and simple little things that they did uh made me i I guess you know a fan or whatever the heck you want to call it but now you know looking back to those days when i was a kid watching them do something at a racetrack whether it was something they said Mm -hmm. or something they did on the motorcycle uh made me never forget them so i you know going back to i I guess what makes the people remember you i I don't know I, i i kind of it was just me you know it was never an act I always liked being different. I always liked saying what I felt mm-hmm. when I felt it, whether it was good, bad, or different. At times, it wasn't the right thing, but that was just me. Yeah. And and uh, like again, like I said, you don't make everybody happy, but uh, you know the ones that are, are seems like they're still out there. And so it makes me almost feel like because you know when I was done racing, I didn't do the farewell tour and all the stuff that a lot of the guys have done, but yeah. it was pretty cool because. 
it gave them that last year of, of racing that, you know, hey, you know, letting the fans know that I don't plan on, you know, being around mm-hmm. near what I used to be. So it makes me <clears throat> want to be involved in some way now, you know, that I'm that I'm older. And, yeah. and, and regardless of what it is, whether it's within the industry or with a team or something, but I've actually in the last, I don't know, a few weeks or even year thought about maybe trying to, to get involved and to see some of those fans that are still around the races again. Yeah, I told the same thing to Yogi last year because Yogi just disappeared and right. has a ton of fans. And he really, I mean, you know, he appreciates the fans, but he has no desire, no no anything to get back into it at all. And I'm like, Yogi, one day you're going to look back on it and you're going to realize that people love you, you know, like they, they want you around, you know. Right, so. right. And, and I'm, I don't know, I, I think, I'd like to think, and, you know, I do, that I'm pretty modest about, all of whatever, whether it's been success or luck or whatever the heck you want to call it. But, I, you know, you even as long as I've been out of it, you look you look back at some of that stuff and, and you think about it inside. And, again, you know, like you said, whether it's younger writers or fans, but it makes you feel pretty good that you're able to put that kind of imprint on, on somebody just by being yourself and, and being yeah. a racer at heart and wanting to do whatever it took to win. You know, I... I know I wasn't always the most physically shaped person, but but man, I, I think I wanted to win worse than anybody out there, and, and I would try to do everything it took to do that, and that's yep. just the way I've always been, you know. Now, this being a Canadian thing, I have to ask you, Toronto Supercross, 1989, 16 years old, 15? You're I would think it was 15. 15. You're, I was 15 you, because it was before I had turned 16. Okay, and you split the, the wins with Larocco, I believe. It was a two-nighter. I think yeah, vaguely, vaguely, vaguely remember that. I thought okay, that well, I was going to ask you about. Time. I was going to ask you about that. Was that the second time, maybe? I think that was the second time that I split wins with him because I think the first time uh, I was the only guy okay. that was there because it was. I remember racing against uh, Ross. Yeah, well, I was going to ask uh, you about rollerball. Yeah, yeah, that was. But yeah, that was the first year. I think it was. I don't think it was '89. I think that that was the second time I was there. '88 would have been. There. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm usually pretty good with those dates, and I know there's, I know there's two guys there in Canada that would know for sure because they were in charge of bringing me up there. I know we, I went up there with uh, Don Valley North Toyota. Oh yeah. And uh, so there was several guys in, you know, in charge of getting me up there, but. What uh, do you remember about '88 when you were 15 and you beat Rollerball, you know, who probably was three times your size. Oh yeah, yeah, at least. That was like that was like racing against Mike Jones in the States. <laughs> but, um no, I, I remember, you know, going there just like having no idea what to expect because I, you know, hadn't rode supercross, you know, other than just a little bit of practicing and on mm-hmm. smaller stuff. But then I remember getting there and the uh everything was tabletops. Yeah. And the tabletops were built across flatbed truck trailers. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. I just remember really long tabletops, and I do remember it being ruddy. And uh, I don't know, I just, I always seem to do well in the ruts for whatever reason. And I remember being intimidated for sure by Ross because I knew he had, I, you know, I had seen him down in the state even when I was younger. So, yeah. but it just one of those deals that, that went my way at a, at a young age uh, that, you never forget, never will forget. Yeah, no, it was a real cool thing for all the fans. Because like, I'm not from that part of Canada, but I have people who are like, I was there when Brasho won his first ever pro yeah. race, you know. And It was, and then uh, shortly shortly after that was uh, when I won Osaka. In Japan, yeah. Japan, yeah. Okay. So I was still, I 
I had just turned I had just turned 16 when I won that one. So the first one was in was there in Toronto. I was 15, and then Osaka was 16. And you beat RJ and Ward yeah. and all those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was crazy. I, that was a it was a knockdown drag out in itself. I, oh, was it? Yeah, and I was on the receiving end for a change. I don't particularly like it. I don't. I'd like yeah. to have my chance at running into Ricky again. But anyways, he uh, he ran into me. Pretty much the whole race. I mean, I just remember him freaking banging me in every different. And the track was very hard to pass on. It was mm-hmm. ruddy, and there wasn't a lot of lines to choose from. And, you know, I was just staying in the groove and doing everything I could. I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe I was there. Mm-hmm. And every lap clicked off. I was like, holy crap, man, I'm getting closer and closer to the end of this thing. I'm still <laughs> leading and da-da-da-da. And but I remember the last couple of corners, he ran into me freaking pretty hard. He left. He left uh, marks off of the <clears throat> off of the bottom of the handlebars and the top of my head because I'd be in the corner laid over and he'd just come in there and rock, you know. Wow. Uh, so yeah, and it was funny, you know. We're standing on the podium and and I had Rick, me and Ricky had been friends for a long time. I mean, they'd, mm-hmm. he'd spent time at the house when I was younger. Obviously, he was riding you know, 250s on with Yamaha back then, and so I'd known him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember I remember him calling me little shit you know up on the up yeah. on the deal and he says well he says there's only one problem with winning he says now when you don't everybody's going to ask you what happened <laughs> and uh he was right he was exactly right you know whether it was calling home to tell my dad or somebody ask how you did and it's well i got this or that well what happened yeah you know you're expected to win every time after that yeah yeah <laughs> you were like oh and especially you being so early and young you're like oh man <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean i I think there's a true meaning about winning early on, and you know, but it just kind of happened, I guess. You probably, I was just thinking, you probably ran into Ross a bunch in the Florida Winter Series too. Yep, I'm exactly sure. during the Winter Am and stuff. All the Canadians would go down there and uh, and race, but uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I I miss I missed that. You know, as time went on, we ended up doing the Golden State and then really not going back down to Florida. But I used to love going to Florida and doing the Winter Am and getting a ride at Croom and. I don't know. I, I I miss. It was kind of funny. It's two two opposite ends of the country. But I always said that I was either going to live out this direction, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, or I was going to live in Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I yeah. ended up ended up out west. So there you go. Now, at the risk of you maybe hanging in the phone up, but L.A. Coliseum '92. What uh, what went wrong? Years just, later. Oh, uh, just a bad night. Yeah. You know, just a completely bad night. Um, you know, I rode bad. Uh, you know, nerves were obviously crazy, and 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 I had always done well under pressure, and there was a ton of pressure there. I mean, like, like no other. You know, coming up possibly to win my first championship, and then it was early on, and and uh, just I just rode bad, screwed up, and no, nobody to blame or anything to blame. Yeah. Um, you know, and I bl- I blame the riots. Blame the riots. <laughs> I blame the riots because they pushed that race back, and it was in the daytime, and they screwed up with your system. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, well, I, I would, I would sure like to blame it on something. I never, I never thought of that. But no, I just, I just really rode bad. Just, I was completely yeah. off that night. You know, I had everything, to, and I never liked having everything to lose. I always liked having everything to gain, and I think that was the reason I was, I, I feel that I was successful early on in my career was because there there wasn't I mean you know expectations built as my career on mm-hmm. but early on I had everything to gain you know I mean I was racing against you know guys Jeff Ford you know and Ricky and Johnny O'Mara and 
you know, the list is on and, and Jeff and, you know, Stanton and Bale and those guys. And, you know, I was a lot younger than those guys and had everything to gain. So, but there it was just, uh, I don't know, bad, bad night. And, um, you know, and I, I don't know that it changed my career. It was definitely a, uh, I don't know what, what, what the word is, but <clears throat> mentally, you know, it was tough, it was tough to swallow. So okay, so you you almost win the title in '92. You're definitely the fastest guy in 1992. '93 comes out, and I mean you win two Supercrosses. You're fourth in the points in Supercross. Was it a case of McGrath just stepping it up, or I mean, was the '92 race? You, were you just not the same guy anymore? Um, your... No, I think I think Jeremy, you know, definitely stepped it up. Um, and I had never had an injury in my career that took me off of the bike as long as it did after the Coliseum. Because when we read Bud before the Coliseum, mm-hmm. I completely tore, finished, or had completely tore my ACL. Mm-hmm. And so I rode the Coliseum with a torn ACL, which wasn't the reason I didn't win the championship. I mean, I had a had a knot in the back of my leg the size of a baseball that I couldn't lock my leg out, but I was I, I fine. Now, whether it was on my mind or whatever, whatever, no excuses. After that, I obviously went on break for... Holly, I don't know what that took, four months. I'd never been off the motorcycle in my entire life since I'd started riding that long. <laughs> I'd never had that kind of injury before. And a, ch- a chance to do things that I had never done as a kid, meaning just relax and not have anything I had to do and discover that there was another part of life, um, whether it was good, bad, or different. And so in order to come back after that and to get rolling again, uh, was tough, and and I was really motivated to do it because at that time, you never really saw many guys go away from a major injury. At that time, that was a major injury. Now yeah. you're in in and out surgery, yes. and come back from it. You know there was no, you know Doug Henry, you know type injuries to come back and win a championship, and so that that motivated me to come back. I wanted to come back and be mean and come back and win and 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 change that. That mm-hmm. hey, you know what a guy can come back from a major injury, and that just was not. It didn't work out for me, you know. I mean, I won a couple of races, and no doubt that 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 Jeremy, you know, stepped the thing up a little bit, and and uh, but just kind of the way it ended up, I guess. Now, when you decided to retire, what was was there one thing that happened? I mean, because you still had years on your contract left, and yes. according to Keith McCarty, they were paying you a whole lot of money. And, uh, <laughs> and oh yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I heard about that too, but. Uh, was there one thing that happened that you were just like, hey, I'm over it, or was it just a sort of a, your heart just wasn't into it? Mm, you know, it got to the point to where I didn't really even – I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be at the race. I didn't want to leave home. The hardest part was for me was leaving home. And uh, and and I, I don't blame it on it, but it was definitely that time that I had off that I got to stay at home, man. I got to be on the lake, and, you know, I got to enjoy my life, and I didn't have somebody – scheduling me to be somewhere like had pretty much been that way since I was shit, <laughs> yeah. you know, 11 years old. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was getting on the airlines at 11 and flying and doing testing and, and not that I would go back and regret any of it, but it was like that four months, man, I wake up in the morning and shit, this is pretty cool. I'm going to go do this or this or yeah. go out on the lake or I'm not going to do absolutely nothing. I'm going to cut my grass. Um, so I, it got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it, and I knew that people were starting to recognize that, and I felt like that I was letting sponsors down, letting fans down, and I said, you know what, I'm not 
going to sandbag and collect a paycheck. Yeah, I mean, dude, you could have wrote it out. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I look back on it now going, man, I should have probably just <laughs> continued to ride and continue to accept the paycheck and I'd have more in, I'd have more in my retirement now, but that's not me yeah. you know and, and and i wouldn't I wouldn't go back and, and do it again if I wasn't going to give a hundred percent and didn't feel like it mentally that I was there, I'm not going to take their money you know and, and that was that was what I said in my meeting. I told them I wanted to have a meeting at the big table, and so we did, and I said, man, I'm just not in it. I'm not going to you know do this to you guys, especially and I said, I know I have four years left on my contract, but I'm done. I'm just, I need to get away. And, you know, I had, you know, personal issues going on at the time. And, and, uh, you know, so everything added up. Mm -hmm. And I was just to the point, man, where I was about to bust. And I said, I've had enough. I can't handle it more. I'm out. And they were like, well, you know, well, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to stay in the industry? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? I mean, they gave me, gave me every option. Yeah, like how, like, did, they, how did they take it? Like, how were they, like, totally caught off guard? You were just like, no, drop the bomb on them? Or, no, 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 they weren't. I mean, I think they knew something was coming because they knew me well enough. Yeah. I've been with those guys since I was, was oh, it? I think, I think seven Somewhere in yeah. that age, give or take a couple of years, either way. And this would be Larry Griffiths and, and Keith, I'm sure. Um, I, well, Cliff Lett, who was Ricky Johnson's mechanic, mm. ended up being Ricky Johnson mechanic later on, actually gave me my first help from Yamaha. And we were in Brownsville, Pennsylvania at an amateur national. And so from then, I knew all those guys. I had known Keith forever. And so those guys knew me, man. They, You know, when I would show up, show up at the track on the weekends, I was always when I when I walked up, walked into the semi, or walked into those box fans or whatever. Everybody looked at me and looked at my facial expression to see what the weekend was going to be like. And you know, when I was winning, we won ten events or whatever in the one year, and everything was going good. I mean, everybody was smiling, and results make people smile. And obviously, and team doing well makes people smile. And so, it got to that point, man, to where nobody was smiling, and I definitely wasn't smiling. I said, man, I'm I'm not only you know, unhappy myself, but I'm making a lot of other people unhappy. And I said, that's just not, I'm not going to roll that way. It's time to do something different. And so I needed a break. So they really weren't caught off guard. I mean, I think they knew it. They respected me. I hope for doing it. And, um, I said, they, you know, basically left the door open, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I just need to get away. I need to disappear. Mm -hmm. I need to go, you know, I said, now I'm not saying that I will never right again or come back i said but if i do you guys will be the first that i call mm-hmm. and so i don't know what it ended up being it ended up being a uh almost well two full seasons yeah, two, that i didn't ride i think i rode the tail end of one season and then it was i just needed that little bit of a break and uh you know i never came back to be the damon of old but um i came back with very good intentions and uh you know, when they were there, you know, they opened their arms for me again. And, you know, we, I think we had, you know, a, a decent year that year. It wasn't a, a winning In deal for sure. The outdoors in 95, you mean, or the 96 um, season? Let's see. So I, it must have been 90, let's see, 90, yeah, 93. came back for. Right. Because uh, I, I didn't ride 94, and then I rode just the tail end of 95, and mm-hmm. then, and then, so I rode with Yamaha in 90, the full year in '96. Kind of was my full season again. And uh, and I was gonna, I actually have it down here. You came out in '96. In I think you got a second and a third of the first two Supercrosses. Right. Second and a fourth, anyways. Yeah, um, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was pretty cool to 
to have been gone and come back. And, and that really motivated me. I mean, it made me hungry again. I was probably training harder than I ever had just because I wanted to come back and, and do really well. And, and uh, you know, that particular year, I think it started out good. And through 96, wasn't so good through the middle of the season. And then towards the end of the season, it was like things picked up. And uh, I don't know if you have – I'll probably answer several questions for you through on out here. But, you know, the end of that 96 season, I think at Washougal, I had probably one of the best rides I'd had all year. I mean, I came from clearing the hell from the rear. Yeah to the front, and it all happened towards the end. And, uh, I was there that day. You were killing it in the whoops. Killing yeah, I was it just, it was one of those days, you know, I was on. And, and, and it probably took me that long to get back to where I really needed to be because you can be away and ride and train all you want. Mm-hmm. But until you go racing, you know, that's that's the real deal. You can train and have lap times or whatever you want to be, but you got to be able to go racing. And so that day was a, a really good day. And probably a week or two before that, Keith had told me that, um, you know, hey, if you're happy with contract, you know, we're happy. We just need to get the paperwork and get you to sign. And mm-hmm. really didn't have anything to go with them and say, hey, you know, I, I, I need to be paid more money. I yeah. did this, this, and this. It wasn't that. It was, you know, I still wanted to get back on my feet. So I said, hey, that's cool. Let's get it signed up. I want to continue racing. And so I kind of went on that. Then right after Washougal, which I thought was one of the best rides all year, I get a phone call, hey, these guys decided not to renew your contract from mm-hmm. Keith. And I go, really? You know, I was totally shocked. Right. And I was like, God dang, you know, okay, well, what did I do? Well, I don't know. Just decided not to renew it. So, no, that's that's it? You know, no, <laughs> you know, no this? Okay, I'd like to fix something if I did something wrong. Yeah. Only been with this company my entire life. Very, 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 very loyal to them. Could have left several times yeah did you have offers money. back in the day like when you were did you have some big offers when you oh, were? oh yeah i really? mean I, you know and, and and yamaha either always matched or got close mm-hmm. and but i had a lot of offers to go a lot of other places for you know a, a, a lot of money and i didn't because i always felt that being loyal was just the way it should be and that's the way i was raised and and that's the way i continued throughout my career and i think there was a lot of times that it's paid off for me and a few that it hadn't, but mm-hmm. so you know, I was like, well, okay, you know, I guess I ride the last race or whatever, and end of story. Mm-hmm. So I got off the phone with him, and I was pissed, man. Mm-hmm. I could have ripped somebody's head off, and so I, I actually talked to. Uh, at that time, I was seeing Hannah quite a bit, talking to him, and so I called him, and you know, and kind of told him, and he, you know, gave me a little bit of advice, and and uh, so I was probably mad for about thirty minutes, and I said. All right, and so I sit down and thought, like, all right, I'll call Jim Hale. So I called Jim, and that's when we went to work on Manchester Honda, and, mm-hmm. you know, that was just a, a killer deal. I mean, it was probably, other than other than my arena cross stuff and the years that I was doing a lot of winning with Yamaha was probably one of, one of my funnest, most memorable really? years riding. And, and the reason it was was because, I had a lot to do with putting it together mm-hmm. along with Jim and Manchester Honda and, you know, American Honda. I mean, they they helped us with, you know, parts and, you know, to get, you know, some decent bikes. That was the year in 97 that nobody wanted to ride the Honda. And I was like, hey, I don't I don't mind being the underdog guy. I'll, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we did. And we didn't set the world on fire. We were able to win an event and do decent in a couple of supercrosses. And, 
but it was really fun. And, and uh, you know, Jim, I remember making the comment, you know, he says, you know, he goes, it really doesn't matter how we do. It's that, you know, you're happy and we're having fun. He goes, the people like it. I like it. So let's just have fun. And, and that's what we did. And I wanted to go testing. I went testing. I wanted to drive the semi down the road. I drove the semi down the road. I wanted to fly. I flew. <laughs> so it was just, it was just awesome. And uh, so you know, and in, in the first year, I my I guess what I wanted to do was the first year. I really didn't care if I made any money. I just wanted to put this thing together. The second year, I wanted to add, you know, maybe another rider or so, and I wanted to to make some decent money because the risk was there, and or I could go home and collect my retirement and you know be happy and uh so you know it came time for the second year and and we just couldn't quite get numbers to where i wanted them to be for the work and the effort and i wasn't disappointed i mean jim tried he put a hell of a lot of effort into it and so did i and and other people and we just couldn't get the numbers to where i wanted them to feel like it was worth the risk. You were like maybe five years too early. Do you know what I mean for that sort of team, like a Rocco yep. thing or whatever? You know? Yeah, and and so I just, and which I think you know, obviously that same year, you know, Ziggy at Factory Connection was a huge part of that team, mm-hmm. and so obviously now, you know, he's yeah. he's one of the major players in the sport, and so it's it's pretty cool. I, I felt like I had a part in that, you know, a little bit, and and uh, but I I think. Um, you know, I, I have to rewind a little bit, and, and, and I probably will catch back. I don't know how long we got here, but talk about the arena cross stuff. But I always look back to the years that or the year that I got burnt out and said I'd had enough and I had to go away. It was one of those decisions where I said, you know, I've either got to buy a motorhome and I've got to stay out on the road, or I've got to buy an, air, an airplane that I can hire a pilot and fly back and forwards. I'm sick of the airlines. I'm sick of the bags. Just, you know, that kind of stuff just bothers sure, me. Sure, Hannah so, pumping you full of uh, info for that. You know? <laughs> well, at the, to- at the time, he wasn't he wasn't an aircraft broker, so <laughs> which okay. now, if that was now, yeah, I'd probably own one, didn't even need one. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, that was something I needed to, you know, I probably should have done. I, I think I would have raced another 10 years because yeah. once I got a taste of that with the Manchester deal and then when I went on to do the arena cross and, and did that, yeah, that bought the motorhome. That was kind of your own deal, right? The arena cross team was all you and yes, Wyatt yes. and on the and Again, road. it was it was one of the funnest times in racing. It was almost like going back to amateur days. And and I guess in a sense it kind of was. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't want to go and, and do arena cross because, quote, quote, it wasn't the big show. But there was a lot of there was a lot of money to be made um, in that series. And, you know, it was going to be very – Profitable, profitable for me that year, and put together a sweet deal with Yamaha. I mean, you know, we kind of had bitter blood there. Obviously, when I yeah. left, I mean, I was very, very bitter at them for several years, and <laughs> and uh, and several of the people that worked there <laughs> won't name any names. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I, I, I will say that none of them are still at Yamaha. So. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, but you know, they when I went, I went to them and said, "This is what I want to do." This is what I want. They were like open arms. I mean, it was like a, a reunion of, mm-hmm. of of a family that had been apart for several years, and so it was cool, man. I put it all together. I was and you heavily won, involved. And you would have won that title. But, you know, I, oh, well. I felt like I was on my way. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from Josh because that that year he was tough. You know, he had his mm-hmm. he had his head bolting on his shoulders, right, and was 
and was very tough. So I don't, you know, I don't take that away from him. But you know, the Yamaha deal and all the other sponsors, I, I had involvement in all of it, and I, yep. and that's one thing I never liked doing, and I still don't to this day. I don't like having to call a sponsor and sell myself to them. Right. You know, I'm a I'm a performer, man. I want to go out and do the job on the track or yeah. whatever it is and let somebody else do the talk. I just want to go do my job, you know. But that particular year, I had to because I wasn't going to pay somebody to go and, and do it for me. And right. so I just kind of got involved and put it together, and it was awesome. It just kind of sucked that it, that it ended halfway through the deal where, by getting hurt. Where does that crash in the arena cost rank in your all-time crashes? Um, <laughs> as far as the worst injury... It was by far my worst injury, by far. But, I mean, even um, the crash was horrid looking. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> so, it, I mean, I know I've ragged all before and spanked my head on the ground and rolled, you know, ever how far, but, it, you know, I have, I've only watched that crash up until the point before I hit the ground. Yeah. That, I, that's as far as I've ever watched it. Probably a good idea. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's sad to say, but it was a whole new meaning to, to pain. I mean, there's guys out there now that have... Obviously had a lot had a lot worse, but I'm gonna tell you what that was some of the worst pain I'd ever dealt with uh, in my life. And you know now it it sucks because I mean you think your pain tolerance is is mm-hmm. I, I really doesn't matter now. I don't yeah. I don't think anything. <laughs> I mean I, now mentally yes yeah, something could hurt me that bad. You know yeah. something my kids or my wife or my family or something. But as far as physically pain shit. No way, huh? I feel, I feel like I could walk through a mile of fire, but. Uh, but yeah, and that was the bummer, you know, of getting hurt and having it basically end, you know, kind of in my career to speak of mm-hmm. with that. And I guess it, it's more doubt, you know. Now, I mean, it's it was broken so bad, you know, that there was not anything to put back together. Really, um, you know, bone grafts and you know all the steel and crap. But it was what was so bad was that it ended me from an injury. And I had never been ended from an injury. I was ended because I wanted to be. And so it's totally, totally different. And RJ told me that way back in the day when he did his wrist in. He yep. said, man, that's the worst thing in the world to be ended by an injury. And I'd never really thought much about it because I remember when I was riding before and we were so busy going to Europe and, you know, all the races in the United States and whatever. If if you were in the championship hunt, it, it sucked and you were mad. Mm-hmm. But if you got hurt and you were out of the championship hunt and you went home, it was like whew, you could take a deep breath. You know, it sucks being hurt, but I've got a couple weeks here to rest and regroup. And when I got hurt doing that arena cross thing, man, I was I was pissed. And we'd been hammering on it for a couple of months, you know, on the road. But yep. we're having so much fun, and it just uh, it sucked to end it that way. So it makes me want to makes me want to ride a national now. Just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, what was ever behind the Factory Connection Daytona Supercross comeback of some sort? You know, I really don't know. <laughs> I was very excited that day. I could I could uh, I was working for Kelly Smith at KTM and right. I, I could barely watch him. I was like, oh, Bradshaw's back. I, you, but, you know, I don't even know that deal happened so damn fast. Oh yeah. So. You know, it felt like it was a little sideways, and this—I don't even know how I got myself into it. <laughs> okay, um, fair I really don't. I, I was, you know, unprepared, and and uh, I don't even know. I, I I look back on it, and it's like, you know, it'd have been pretty cool if we just looked at it as a publicity stunt, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I I don't really know. I, yeah. And and the funny thing, 
is I don't remember a whole hell of a lot about it. I mean, I do very vaguely, but it just was not one of those things that that stuck in my head. I don't Okay. I don't know why. This might be a hard question for you, but do you have a favorite race or races of all time? I mean, was there a day that you just I like asking all of the uh, older guys this cuz you know, they usually have uh, something that they remember that they were just on. You know, I felt like I had many. Um yeah. but ones I guess I don't know that really that really pop into my head was and I probably don't know the year, but I know there were several of them at Mount Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love that place. And everybody, you know, always made the comment, well, that's his backyard, you know. Well, it was my backyard. I rode there once a year just like everybody else. Really? People made that comment? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. They they thought, I, I think they thought I practiced there and tested there, mm. but I never rode there. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I rode there once a year just like everybody else. But yeah. I love that track. I like the fans there. It just suited my style. And so... I always loved, you know, going there, and I know I had some killer battles there with Stanton, and even in the 125 days with, you know, Donnie Schmidt and, you know, a couple of other guys. Mm-hmm. That I don't, you know, I remember George Holland, but and then, uh, you know, a couple of this, a couple of Supercrosses, and I remember one for some reason Houston, uh, one year. I don't remember what year, mm-hmm. but uh, I was sick. I mean, sicker than, you know, just yeah. sick. You know, not. Not throwing up sick, but like flu sick. No energy, you know. Didn't ride the week before. Um, barely rode practice, and just struggling. And come out in the main event and just ride flawless, and <laughs> not even really push, and and win. And the, the, for some reason, I always thought, man, it's not all bad to be sick because you're not very nervous because yeah. you feel like hell. I just want to get through the night. And then it just happened like that. You know, you ride probably the best you've ever rode. And so, I don't know, a couple of those kind of stick. I mean, I'm sure there's – every time I think about that question, other races pop into my head. Yeah, and you start start thinking, oh, wait, there was that one and there was this one. Yeah, so um, there, there seem like to be a lot of them. Do we have much more time or you got to go? Oh, no, I'm I'm fine. I don't even know what time it is, man. It's a five-year time. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Did you physically really hate Jeff Matasevich and those guys? I mean, yes. I mean, was <laughs> yes, and still do. Okay, so I mean, off the track, it wasn't one of those things where because you guys all, I mean, you, you know, you went to the same restaurants to eat if you're yeah, national. No, I mean, you hated the guy. Yep. Yeah. Right. And 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 I haven't. I don't. I well, I don't know. I don't know where he's at or what or seen mm-hmm. him in years. But I just for some reason I just. You know, and we did. I mean, we, you know, in the in the younger days, because uh, Jeff was a little bit ahead of me when it, you know, in the mini bike stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we talked, but it was, I don't know, man. I just this wasn't okay. wasn't my type of dude, you know. But I don't think I can think of any. I mean, there are several guys that I didn't like, and pretty much at that time. I didn't like anybody. I hated every single one of them. And except that's, what, for, that's what Bob Oliver said. <laughs> yeah, except for the guys that were on my team. And occasionally I didn't even like Emig. Yeah. But we were on the same team, so I had to. <laughs> but, uh, no, I just, you know, like Dubok and, and those guys, I mean, those years racing there were, you know, they were my buddies, and they were the only ones. Wow. Um, I talked to Dubak one time about his San Jose win, and he said that had it been another lap, you would have punted him into the – I was goes, working on it. I was working goes, on it. He goes, this guy has so many wins, and he won't even – you know, he was not going to let me win that race. No, hell not. Well, I'd come from not only getting stuck in the gate, but yeah. they tried to stop me when I went across the starting line because they were already coming around the other way. 
and I and I and they were. I remember the officials standing out there trying to flag me down. I was like, "Hell no, I got room, baby. I'm going for it." <laughs> so you know, but anyways, was there any battles with anybody that you were looking back on it that you were like, "Wow, I really hit that guy hard," or "I, I really..." Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was yeah. times that it was, you know, there was a few times the chicken that were pretty, del- you know, <laughs> that were for sure. Yeah. Um, but there were times that people accused me of it that weren't. And one that I remember was one year in, uh, I, I, it was either Anaheim or San Diego. I, I, I'm thinking it was Anaheim, early Anaheim, where we were going through the whoops. And I got off the back of the bike, and I got on the throttle, and I couldn't get back off the throttle. And it was just, you know, oh, jumping. yeah, that's a, that's a highlight one, yeah. Then it hit the whoops on the on the rear tire and basically jumped on top of chicken. And, and uh, <laughs> they said, yeah, he for sure threw his bike on him. He for sure <laughs> Hell no! I was just trying to get under control of my bike, and 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 wanted to really, at certain times, try to race with him the way I always and I always tried to do that. Whether it was, you know, Kedrowski or or any of those guys, I always wanted to race with them just like I did Stanton because it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And not to, I guess, go forward, but but Josh Demuth was one of those guys that I could race with like I raced with Stanton. Probably only, you know, other than. Other than somebody like Dubok, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, me and me and Dubok had you know races at times or whatever, but and tested many hours together. But Josh Demuth was like that. I mean, we could race so close and tight in that arena cross series. Again, that was something that made it pretty fun. Yeah, that's funny because I just did a story for a little thing we have on our internet, RacerX Canada, called Best Races, and it was mm-hmm. with Demuth. I saw him last weekend, and he named off the two thousand the whole series with you and him. Yeah. And he said the exact same thing. He said he was like, Damon was like my hero, and I raced him hard, but we were clean, and they were just great battles every weekend. Yeah, it was. It so, was really cool to, to race with him because I didn't I didn't fear my legs getting broke, um, you know, on an accident or on a purpose deal like a lot of the other guys that were in that series because that series was always known as the freaking yeah. Mike Jones rollerball <laughs> series, you know. Yeah. And uh, I I. I didn't like that, you know, and and I thought I could play as dirty with the best of them as anybody, but I didn't want it to be that way. I wanted to be able to race fair, and and a lot of the guys were young, and they didn't think about, man, we got a lot of races. We have a lot of races here, and you can, you know, you can really hurt somebody. You can ruin their career right here. Mm-hmm. And but again, I was older and they were younger, so I was probably in that same position one day. And some somebody was saying that about me. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just, <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Um, now, when I go home, I, I oftentimes uh, back home to Canada, I read old magazines, and it's kind of like what I enjoy doing is reading about the old days. But do you think you ever got an unfair shake from, like, say, Motocross Action, who was really the only magazine out then? Because um, it kind of comes in, across to me like that. That you, in, you know, to, and towards the end, I definitely did, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's it's kind of funny um, because in the earlier years of career, they were very good to me. I mean, there was one year I don't know how many covers I was on four covers or something mm-hmm. in one year, or whatever. And everything that they said in their magazine was was true about me. And there was a turning point, and uh, which I think they've done it to a lot of guys since then. Um, I don't know about nowadays. I'm, it seems like maybe things have changed a little bit, but again, I don't I don't read them that much. That they always, the guy that won a lot, that won you know a lot of races at one point in time, motocross action bagged on them, mm-hmm. and so it was early on. Well, there got to a point, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I was at uh, 
um, Redbud the year that I tore my knee up before the Coliseum, the year I lost the championship. Me and Stanton were racing, and uh, I was one of those days I was on, man. I was jacking with Jeff, and, and we, you know, that was his hometown, and that was probably the wrong place to be <laughs> screwing with Jeff because the fans loved him, and they probably yeah. would have soon spit on me. But uh, I was just on that day, just riding and having fun, and coming up the hill just landed and threw me over the bars, and so I'm laying out there on the track, and I know my knees hurt. I can't get up, and it drugged my pants. When I crashed, it drugged my pants down to my knees. <laughs> really? I'm standing there. Yeah, I'm standing there in my underwear and my pants down to my knees, and the people on the fence are, you know, hollering and booing and shit. And, and so I just sit down. You know, I'm yelling at them and probably sending obscenities to them too. But so I sit down on the ground. Well, I saw a... Uh, uh, photographer down there taking pictures of me and I knew he was a motocross action photographer and so I started looking for rocks and I started hurling rocks at him and he's dodging lens, you know, the lens and this and that yeah. and I'm freaking wailing rocks so needless to say that didn't help me <laughs> at motocross action No. so it got so bad that they guys would come to me and want to do interviews and it got to the point that I would ask what magazine are you with and who are you with and if they said motocross action I said absolutely not if you didn't know where the door was or how to get out of here, that's the way to go right there. I wouldn't do an interview with him. I said, because it doesn't matter. Whatever I say, Jody or somebody is going to change it, and that's the way it's going to get published. And I don't have a problem with putting in there if what I said was good, bad, or different as long as it's true. I don't care. Put it in there. But they wouldn't do that. And I know shit got changed because I, I had you know, had done interviews before I figured out I would never do another one with them um, that – it wasn't what I said. So then probably three years ago, four years ago, I don't know, maybe three years ago, Jeff Sirwall from No Fear called me, and he's, and he's talking, and he goes, hey, he goes, would you do an interview with Motocross Action with uh, 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 John? Basher? Yes, yep. with Basher. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, you know, I said, it's been a while. I said, I don't have a problem with men and fans with people or places or magazines or whatever, yeah. which they were the only one. Um, I said, sure. I said, you know, have him call me. I said, yeah, under a couple of stipulations. <laughs> I said, but yes, have him call me. So make a long story short, you know, the big thing was, hey, before this is published, before it runs, I want to read the article. Uh-huh. And if it has changed whatsoever from what I said, you, I'm going to kick your ass. There's, there's, well, not only you, I said, but there's going to be people coming to see me in prison. I said, so not, okay. And he, so he agreed to that. Yeah. And he came, and it was a good article. It was awesome. And so, you know, I, I've never had a problem with, you know, trying to repair things like that and, and going on. So, you know, that's all that's all fixed now. So Yeah, that was just something that I really noticed because I, I must have picked up a few magazines from around that time. Mm-hmm. And they were they were pretty harsh on you, and, and you know it could be the California thing, but now I guess I understand you two rocks with the guys. So oh yeah, and, and it was funny because it was uh, Mike Kroger, and he was a photographer. He worked for you know MXA at the time, and the year I did the Manchester Honda deal, he um, started working at Mechanics Wear, mm-hmm. doing something, and so I'm I'm sitting up in the the semi we had, and. He comes up in the truck, and I go, I'm thinking, I'm thinking myself, and I don't know, I may have said, I said, what the, what the, what the hell are you doing in here? You know, I didn't forget that. I mean, I remembered it like it was yesterday. Right. And then I think shortly, right as he came in, they they had planned this, and Jim comes in, 
behind him. <laughs> and, you know, we lay it all out on the table and we talk about it. And, you know, I go, hey, man, I'm I'm over it. And, you know, I got the real story. And, and so it was all cool. But it was just kind of funny how that happened. They, it was a, it was kind of a joke. But he but he did. He was working at Mechanics Wear. And, you know, and we talked and laughed about me throwing rocks at him. But, yeah. Funny, funny story. My, my A real good friend of mine and the guy I hung out with back on the road in 97 was Jason Fernet, a Canadian kid who uh-huh. actually got the ride, Robbie Skaggs' ride at Manchester for five races, six races. Do you remember that? Um, I do. I do. I, I remember his last He told me, you know, again, you know, being you being Damon Bradshaw, he, <laughs> he was very excited. and He was really struggling because he rode Cowie 250s and he had to ride a Honda 125 but he wanted the chance. And anyways, he was asking you for advice one day. He, I, he told me that he was like, man, I just, you know, what am I doing? And I'm really struggling. And you, you looked at him, you were like, you just need to go faster. <laughs> he was like, that's my, that's my advice from Damon Bradshaw. <laughs> you just need to go faster. You just need to go faster. Yeah, well, you know, I used to make the comments to guys, especially that rode 125s, and, and I didn't ride 125s very long. Mm-hmm. I did the one year. And and I remember riding that bike so hard that it hurt, mm-hmm. meaning whether it was every landing or going into every corner, I just remember riding it to the point it hurt. And I felt like at times, you know, that, that uh, you know, I was one of the fastest guys ever on a, on a 125 when, when I was on. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was, it was because, you know, that was a year I think I'm, uh, Krodowski won the championship. I missed it by a couple points. Yeah. Had a couple of bad races, and then I think the last race was Unadilla. Yeah, Bob. Bob said that um, you had a win in the bag, and you got a rock in the knee, or something, and you pulled off, and that cost you the title. Um, no, <laughs> no? I, okay. No, well, no, it was a rock. It was a rock. But I think what happened was it was Red Bud, mm-hmm. and I was. Uh, Again, I was jacking with somebody, and this one, this might have been the other one that bit me in the ass. Uh, George Holland. I was racing with George Holland. He was on a Honda, and I was on a Yamaha. And again, that day I was on. I couldn't, I, at this, before yeah. this, I couldn't do anything wrong. And I mean, I was passing him, and then I would wave him back by. Really? And then I would pass him again, and I would do it again. And, you know, and, oh. and I wasn't, I wasn't really doing it because of George, because I liked him, and yeah. he was a stand up guy. I was doing it because of Honda. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I couldn't stand those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I couldn't stand them. And so I would do it where they could see it. I'd do it in the mechanics area. And too bad. Good thing and, the internet wasn't around back then. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then I would, and then I would pass him. Well, then I remember coming around at the time. My mechanic was uh, Mike Chavez, one of the by the way, one of the best mechanics I ever had. Um, I, I come through the mechanics area, and he put on the chalkboard that there was uh, ten minutes, ten minutes left time to quit playing and so i go okay so i passed i passed george and went to go away and landed off of a jump in the back and when i landed i landed right on a hoop a whoop uh-huh. and not in the whoop to do section but because the track was rough yeah and landed on a rock and that rock caved the bottom of the pipe in where the bike wouldn't hardly pull itself up a hill oh okay and so i'm maybe that was it then yeah and uh so I just had to idle around, and so it basically cost me 20-something points, even though I I think I even had to stop. It, it wouldn't even run, and then I went across the finish line, so I lost, you know, yeah. a full round right there. And uh, so then I remember coming into um, – oh, but and the other deal was, was after that, those guys walked by the pits. A couple of the Yamaha, or Honda mechanics came out of the pits, and they were going – 
they they were had smart ass remarks. Oh, what happened to to you know to Dame and this and that being being smart ass. Right. And so uh, that just made me you know even matter. So anyways, we get to Unadil. I don't remember. And so I, I was struggling trying to get those points back, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. We yeah. got the Unadilla. And the only thing I could do was win both motos. And Kedrowski had to get two-thirds, if I remember this right. Um, the first moto went perfect. I hole-shotted, went away. Mike Larocco got second. Kedrowski got third. So we were we were on our way to doing what we needed to do, and if I remember correctly, the second moto I hole shotted, I'm gone, and uh, Larocco got a flat tire. Oh. If, if I remember right, he got a flat tire. So that was I think Jurdowski beat me by two maybe, and then but the Supercross season I only won it by one or two. So it was kind of a kind of a trade off. So yeah, that was an, a, another not. I mean, it was discouraging. But not really, because I mean, I I knew that I was far the fastest guy, but it was one of those learning processes, you know. Yeah, I think there was a lot of times where you could say that you were by far the fastest guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I, but you know, back to that, uh, you know, the the comment I made to was it, it was Jason, uh, was I remember telling a lot of kids on 125s, I said, if you're riding that bike so hard that it's hurting, mm-hmm. I said you're riding it probably as fast as you can. I said so if you're doing that. I said, through the bumps, through the braking bumps, through whatever, ride it till it hurts. Mm-hmm. And I said, you'll be going fast. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he was waiting for you to, like, really get into it with him as far as, you know, hey, I've been watching you and you need to do this. Or you, and you just went, you need to go faster. <laughs> what was uh, what was your relationship like with uh, JMB? Um, I guess very silent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't, yeah. didn't talk to him. Um, didn't didn't like him just because I raced against him, but respected yeah. him because he was very good. Um, and you know, really, he, he was—I don't know—my I guess my take on him was that he was very fast and at times faster and smoother than all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he could win without a fight, he was going to win. But if you put up a fight, he he didn't want to play. He didn't want no part of it, and so. I, I kind of knew that, and so that was the buttons that I tried to push. And, you know, it it, it worked at times. Um, you know, I know I won a lot against him, but I also was beat a lot against, you know, against him I was beat at times. And so, but that was just the way it was. If it was going to come easy for him, he was going to take it. And he looked like he was going nowhere, you know, because <laughs> he was so, he was so yeah. smooth. But, uh but no, just a never, very silent kind of deal. Never talked to him or nothing. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I remember running into him a few times, but yeah. that was probably the closest I ever got to him was on the bike. Yeah, yeah. How frustrating was it for you on the uh, riding the WR 500 when your competition was on these, uh, let's say, a little bit better bikes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. It was. I guess probably then it was a little bit frustrating not really because it was kind of again it was kind of the underdog thing mm-hmm. and i loved being in that position um you, you know we can't do this. i think you or, won a moto on it um i did i think yeah. no i won uh, i think i won bington did you win a race yeah i think i did you know by the way the points fell mm-hmm. i won a moto and then got maybe a third or fourth yeah. i think but i i'm not positive but i think it did give me an overall there or something and uh but it was cool because I was the underdog. I was riding a freaking air-cooled bike that Brock Glover basically had rode yeah. and hadn't changed. The only thing it had done is gotten heavier and uglier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
So, yeah, it was, but it was cool. I was glad I got to ride a 500. I always wanted to be able to, to do that, and, and uh, it just worked out. But I, but that's a true meaning of hurt, was, yeah. was riding that thing. I mean, I, I told John R. several times, I'm like, you know what? Why don't you just pull the shock out of the back of it and just put, and just put one of those rods in there yeah. So it doesn't change through the moto. It just sucks the entire time, and it doesn't change. <laughs> and the only cool thing about the way it ran was it ran. It ran really good in the beginning, but wow. as she got as she got hot, she would slow down a little bit. Yeah, that's the Bob again going back to Bob. He told me he was it would start out at sixty five horsepower, yeah, and probably end about thirty. <laughs> but but it was kind of cool because it beat you up so bad. That by the end of the moto, you were glad that it slowed down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but off the start, boy, she would run. But yeah, that was uh, that was uh, that was a wild wild deal. I remember it seems like we took like sixteen or seventeen pounds off of that bike, and it was just <laughs> it was just enduro stuff that we yeah. took off of it. Yeah. So it really but, wasn't frustrating for you. You just were like, hey, I got to make the best of this. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. It was. I mean, I just I remember going through turns on it, through chuck holes in a turn, just feeling like that there was no rear shock on it. <laughs> and it wasn't John R's fault. Yeah. I think yeah. it was just the geometry of the bike. I don't care what you would have done. It was not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe that Glover beat Bailey on a Works 500? Oh, my that, gosh. That one yeah. season? <laughs> yeah, that just does not even not even make sense. I, I, do, I, I, I do remember him doing that, but I also remember him being really close to lapping him at several that I watched. I remember a couple at Mount Morris going, you know, and I remember being young, and going, what's what's Brock doing? You know, what 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 is he doing? You know, and and uh, David looked like Bale out there cruising around the track on the peg, just rap rap rap. You yeah. know, and I'm thinking, you know, what is Brock doing? Well, little did I know, I was going to get to find out <laughs> yeah. several years but later. Ten years later, you'll know exactly. What the Brock same felt. the same bike. The only difference I think in mine and his was that his was a works bike, and yeah. that my tank was fatter than his. <laughs> was the only difference. It was the same bike. I mean, you never really raced an era of works bikes or anything like that either. So no, just missed it. I rode one works bike, one works bike in Japan. Uh, me and Amy went over one year and did a national. Um, at, 250 uh, two stroke. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And uh, it was perimeter frame. I mean, it was way way early. I mean, it was probably oh gosh, man, real early nineties. Uh, um, 91, maybe even earlier than that, but it had a perimeter frame just like the bikes have now. More yeah. then, it was more like a, a Honda frame was in 97. This particular Yamaha was, you know, aluminum tank, trick lightweight, but did not have a motor oh, yeah. at all. No. The motor was just very, and and their bikes kind of always, you know, their riding style was different, and so I don't think they ask as much of their motors. And then not only, you know, we had Bob on our side, but. Uh, it was an awesome bike to ride. I mean, it felt like you were riding a, a feather. It just didn't have good go. Compare that to your uh, WR500. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. I, that's what I was telling those guys. I said, man, I said, if we could have just took that motor and put, you know, and there was times where we thought about trying to put that motor in a in a 250 frame, but yeah. I forget. There were some rules that wouldn't let us do it, or yeah. McCarty didn't think it was a good idea, and he was probably telling me, don't be a sissy, just ride it, you know. Yeah, you never did ride the 360, did you? Um, just played on it. Yeah. And never, just played yeah, on it. Never raced the Nationals on it. Yeah, no. I don't know what would have been worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I felt, you know, I look back on my career and, and think it's pretty cool, you know, because I was able to ride. I felt like I rode through 
a, a lot of eras, meaning mm-hmm. with different riders. I mean, clear back to, you know, I think I even raced once against Bob at Southwick. And, you know, so you think about that and then clear up to, I guess, kind of through, you know, you know Jeremy a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, and then I do remember one that I, I really like to always bring up. I do remember coming around when I was winning Mount Morris in the mud and I was lapping Jeremy and he was picking up his bike <laughs> and he couldn't even stand. He was having a hard time standing up. So he couldn't stand up in the mud, much less ride in the mud. The uh, I so was, was actually kind of cool. I was there that day. My rider didn't qualify for the motos, and I don't. I remember you passing Larry, you know, up the up the uphill double. Oh yeah, with no goggles. Uh, yeah, and the crowd freaking out. But I more remember you doing donuts and three sixties in the in the rental car. I'm like, who is driving that thing? And oh, after the deal. after the race. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? And it was you. I'm like, oh well, I guess that's all right then. Well, see, that was my practice for what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I had I had practice for that. You know, they asked me what driving experience, and I had. I said, well, I got to give a lot of credit to Hertz and Avis. <laughs> <laughs> how much longer for you in the monster trucks? Um, you mean how long do I think I'll do it? Yeah, I like. What, what? Um, you know, I like it. I really like it. I like. Um, you know, I like the 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 show part of it. You know, that we go and the the people are diehard. Diehard fans. I mean, some of the craziest diehard fans that I've ever been around. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, a couple years ago in Vegas, it rained for two hours, mm-hmm. wind blowing, just colder than heck. And uh, the people did not leave. They waited till the rain quit so they could see the show. Yeah. And, you know, to be able to go to Jacksonville, places like that that hold, you know, 65 or 69,000 people and it sell out couple of days before and they start tailgating the day before the event it's pretty cool i mean it, it's neat and then you know i mean it's a it's a thrill and i still uh still am amazed when i watch videos and and watch uh, and look at pictures of what we do in the truck you yeah know? i mean you, you tell people but you know i sit down with a couple of the guys and i go you know people ask me about it all the time and i tell them i go when you can take a ten thousand pound truck and jump at 30 40 feet in the air 140 to 150 feet they go they don't believe you and i go well just come to one of our stadium events or go and look at this picture or watch this youtube and you'll see what i'm talking are you about pretty much so just hanging on when you land i mean you're just trying to keep the wheel straight you're you're along for the ride i mean yeah. you're along for the ride obviously once you're in there because every land is a little bit different you right. know obviously there's four four tires and you know if you land a little bit you know, off camber, out of shape, the truck reacts different. So, uh-huh. you know, you jump, and when you leave the ground, depending on what the jump is, you know it's going to hurt like <laughs> like never have you ever felt in your life before. <laughs> and uh, so you land, and once you land, then after the recoil from that is when you start driving again because oh, yeah. it hits. Yeah. And then when it lands again, then you just do what you can do to uh, – and you always want those wild ones. You know, you want the truck to land and end up on two wheels and, you know, come almost to a rollover because anybody can go out and roll a truck over. The fun part is to drive it right to that edge to where you almost rolled it but you saved it. Hmm. And sometimes you can do that and sometimes you can't. Wow. So, but I love it. I mean, it's it's fun. I. Every time I, I leave to go to an event, I, I just can't wait till freestyle. And yeah. I thought that was going to be the hardest part of it for me because, you know, I had never done anything freestyle-wise on a motorcycle, meaning to have to come out and be creative and yeah. come off with tricks. And I so I really was focusing on racing, and then I got to where I just loved the freestyle part of it. So, But it hurts way worse, way worse than a motorcycle ever thought about. Really, huh? Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it it's like taking that WR500 
and <laughs> jumping. Uh, let's see, what can I explain it? Probably jumping off the top of Saddleback and landing on flat ground on yeah, a WR500. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe doing Larocco's leap on it, on it. I don't know. Yes, exactly. Landing on flat ground. Hard so there's back. maybe no chance of you coming back as a rider coach or – you, you ever know, thought about I, that? You ever thought? I know, well, I have, and that's yeah. kind of what I said early yeah. on. You know, the last year or so, I've I've thought about it of coming back and maybe trying to help a you know a younger team, or mm-hmm. you know, I would ultimately like to to be at Yamaha just because I've I've been a, I felt like I've been a part of that family for so long that mm-hmm. if I could go back and and uh, you know I I feel like I could be a help to to some younger guys and 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 even guys that are just slightly younger than me because. From having a different standpoint, you know, from a rider standing there, and I know a lot of things have changed and the bikes have changed, but yeah, but I mean, Jeff, Jeff does it, and he has all everybody's respect, you know, over there. Yeah, you know. and so I, I think I would like to do that. I mean, I may, you know, kick myself in the butt for not doing it sooner, but mm-hmm. you know, I, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of age. You know, it makes a guy you would think a little bit more patient, but I don't really think I have any more patience than I did when I was 16. But yeah, well. I, but I think I could help, you know, some of the guys. And, and not not so much, I mean, I think also maybe at the track and, and, and what it takes and what I think the fans deserve and what I know the sponsors deserve. Um, but but just, uh, just trying to stay focused because, you know, early on in my career, I didn't have that chance to do a lot of things that a lot of kids were able to do, mm-hmm. um, and I probably discovered that, a lot of that stuff after I was retired, and now I'm or you hurt of, your knee, or when you hurt your knee there, you know. Yeah, and so I, I think I could lend a lot of those guys, uh, you know, advice to 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 when they go home and and things they do and and what reflects on their career, and and I know a lot of them are young, and they they look at it, I'm sure, a lot of the same ways I did, and I had a few guys try to tell me, but I think, what do they know? <laughs> but I really think that. I'm still young enough. I feel like I've done a lot of my life that yeah. you know you can lend somebody some advice that might. And and I really think a lot of the the sport. There's a lot of kids out there with a lot of talent, but I think the mental part of it is so so big. And I was a, a mental guy. I like to mentally mentally, um, you know, prepare myself. It wasn't like I meditated, but man, I like right. to be mentally prepared and, and felt that I had that edge over anybody. So. I don't know. That's something I've kind of thought about. I yeah. mean, the, the monster stuff doesn't keep me busy every weekend, mm-hmm. um, all year. You know, uh, probably this year I'll probably end up with, you know, 15 to, you know, around 15 events or 16 events. I'd like to do more, but just yeah. the way it falls and with the Air Force and the sponsors. So my ultimate goal um, is to have my own deal, yeah. um, to do my own semi, my own truck with a with a with a large primary sponsor and. And be able to to have more control of of, of what I do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I they let me do a lot now, but I would like to have you know maybe full control to do more stuff that I think uh, could yeah. be better. Well, even going back to the riding th- riding coach thing, you know, Jeff just says he doesn't tell it on like yell at him and say, listen, this is what I would do back in the day. This is what you need. To do. It's more of a case of, hey, I'm here. I'll help you out. You know, I've been there. I know what you're feeling, and uh, kind of leave it at that. You know. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Nobody needs exactly. to. You know. No. I think a kid will just be like, whatever, old man. You know, I, I don't need to listen to you about how to ride a bike. Right. It's not that. It's it's right. everything else. So. And I'm sure I'm sure Jeff still rides a lot, and you know, the, and and I think, and that's some of the reason I've thought of wanting to go back out and ride because mm-hmm. of I've thought about maybe trying to go and do that and I wouldn't only want to stand there I mean I'm not going to go out and ride Supercross anymore yeah. I, at least I say that I wouldn't <laughs> but 
but I think, you know, I would like to be able to get out on an outdoor track and, and ride with ride with whoever I w- whatever team I was with mm-hmm. to to ride. You know, whether the the speed's there or not, I think I could still go out and have fun. And and to me, that would have been a lot of fun when I was younger and in that position. Yeah. yeah. If there would have been a guy like a you know, like a Bob or a David or one of those guys that could get out there and, and dice and ride, and you come in and talk about it, and I think it would be a helpful thing. And, I, and I'm sure, uh, especially in Stanton's, you know, position to where he, I know, well, I know there for a while he did still ride quite a bit, probably get out there and kick the majority of his butts, you know. Yeah, yeah. So no, he, he claimed he claimed right now with a little bit of practice he could probably he could probably top five at outdoor national and i kind of believe him <laughs> I, I i wouldn't doubt it i wouldn't doubt it. i've had so many people that have called me and razzed me about it and yeah you know said why don't you just do it my brother he's he's so funny he goes he goes he goes man why don't he goes why don't you get in just a little bit of shape and start riding he goes <laughs> and just try to go to mount morris and win like five laps yeah, yeah and then come in and we'll pull a little chair up on the fence and open the cooler and, and drink a beer and watch the rest of the moto oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know i was like that would be pretty cool but uh, that wouldn't satisfy me that wouldn't satisfy me i think the fans would probably grab you and throw you on their shoulders <laughs> and parade you around and oh, you I'd might never it. come back <laughs> i would i would love it i We'll have to get you on that Legends thing. We'll work on that a little bit. Yeah, uh, that would be cool. Get you an bike. And uh, Glover's yeah. on a YZ490, and he's out there. I would, good. We, he we can would, stay on yeah, the 490. We wouldn't get you that bike. We'll work on <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> work on something newer. Fisher's got a KX500 he does, rides around. So. Oh, that's cool. Well, hey, thanks for doing this. I know I, yeah, I kept you a lot longer than the uh, Well, that's uh, all right. I, I like doing it, and talking about old stuff is, is pretty cool. So hopefully uh, – Hopefully everybody will enjoy some of the comedy. Yeah, no, it was great. Thanks very much, Damon. I appreciate it. And look for this up uh, probably in a week or so. Okay, I'll try to try to check it out, tell all my buddies about it so they can I'll, laugh too. I'll send Angela a link, and that way she can handle it. Thanks a lot, man. Good luck to you. All right, thanks, Damon. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye. There you have it, another epic RacerX Canada podcast show brought to you by Shift Racing. Shift, the choice is yours. That was Damon Bradshaw. There's nothing else left to be said, but... Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.